Welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Damon Ossoff, with your host, Paul Frederick. Friends and fellow Damons to Saturnian sessions on Damonosophy, where we explore the groovy dark vibes that descend upon the unwary who stay up too late on a Saturday night. And tonight I have Joan Pope of the Temple of Saturn. Hi, Joan. Hey, thank you for having me. You bet. So, I mean, I discovered your stuff. I think from Twitter. I think I follow you on Twitter. That's what it is. And I'd see your videos, see these videos come up on it. And every time I clicked on the video, I'd be like, wow, what is this? Because there's so much stuff that on, on Twitter that you click on it. And it's and it's like, there's not that much music out there that I'm not already familiar with that um, really draws me in. Um, but I just, I got addicted to, to checking out your videos when they came on there. Um, and to me, they're like, um, really... Uh, it, it's 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 sort of uh, oh what would I call this music? It's kind of like atmospheric soundscapes, and then it has cool beats, which I like a lot. That really gets me going. Is is good beats, and there's really cool video stuff. So, so tell me how you do this. What's the music all about? Tell me about Temple of Saturn. Um. Well, I guess let me back up a little bit. Um. I used to have a project called the Whip Angels. And that project started because I was writing poetry and performing my pieces at different open mics. But I didn't really fit into the open mic scene very well. It just, I would get up there and just speak in my normal voice. And everyone else has this really like performing persona and that just wasn't me. And I'm, I'm very shy on stage, even to this day. When I perform, it's hard for me, but that's why I did it. Um, because I wanted to get out there and just try to overcome that. And where's this um, at? Where are you doing these open mics at? You're in New York, right? Um, I'm actually like a little bit upstate from New York City, but I was going down to New York City and doing them in Manhattan and Brooklyn. Okay. Because um, that's just, I mean, I was doing them some locally, but I felt like the kind of people that would be into maybe what I'm about are probably people down in the city versus up in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> so I I didn't really fit in. So I basically learned how to make music to set my poems to the music. Um, so that was my first project. And then about a, a, a little over a year ago, I just sort of like wanted to shift gears a little bit. The problem with the Whip Angels was to me, it was like truly experimental in that I record almost everything in a different way every time. So it was really hard for me to reproduce it live ever. I was just like, I have no idea how I did this. Like once it's recorded, that was it. I'm like a one take kind of person. Like I leave all my mistakes like just right in there because I'm like, that's like the human touch in like a world where everything's like, oh, we can record it like a thousand times. We can auto tune things. We can, you know, automate music and whatever. I was like, you know, I kind of like when things are a little fucked up. So 
um, Temple of Saturn, I really wanted to do something where I could perform live. So that was like everything is like recorded basically the same way. And then I can, I have a way of performing it live. Um, but what it is really, it's almost like every single day people are like, what kind of synths do you use? And I don't use any synths except for the beats. I use a, the chord chaos leader for the beats. Um, all the sounds are my voice, guitar, or auto harp. Or, and occasionally a mandolin. So that's like, I just cut cut it up into like usually very small loops where it's really layered. And then I take those recordings and I use basically, it's by native instruments, it's called the Tractor S2. Um, it's like a DJ controller. That That's what you would use this for, but I sort of use it in a different way. Um, or I have all, I cut up my loops and I'm layering them and affecting them. And that's what I'm doing live. So when people ask what's in the suitcase, if you've ever seen pictures of my performances, I play out of this like red suitcase and that's what's in there. So it's like a DJ controller and I'm able to like cut, like cut samples from the guitar tracks, layer them, like affect them, fade them in and out of each other. And that's sort of, that's the Temple of Saturn is, I guess, like musically. Um, and I'm trying to create stuff that is really meditative and hypnotic. I want it to be like, you know, you're sort of lost in it. And, you know, then at the end, you wake up, it's over and on to the next act. Oh, yeah. So this music is, is perfect for, you know, meditation or like serious chill um, activities or, or ceremonial, ritualistic, you know, um, occultish, left-hand path, ritualistic work. It would go very well and make excellent um, accompaniment for it. So it's just you. You're the only one. You're the only, uh, the sole contributor. Yes. Um, I have like some samples with Dead Editor. He contributed some stuff and I also use... A couple samples from my friend Chris Fern, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago. But right before he died, we were supposed to collaborate on something together. And then, you know, after it never happened, I was like, you know what? It's like, I just need to like take little bits of what he did and try to like sew it into my work just to kind of keep him going. Because he passed away right at like a time when I felt like he was like about to take off. And it's really like, unfortunate so there's like a couple there's like i think two songs that i sampled like some beats that he had made so mm. but it, it will say like on there if you look on Bandcamp, i think like sample chris fern so wow that's awesome um that's awesome that you can uh take take something that someone's created because i've done this I've, I've done a similar thing musically uh taken um guitar tracks from a previous guy in the band in, in uh, my band asmodeus x which I don't do as much anymore. I just kind of re refer to it every once in a while when I'm interviewing someone else who's doing music actively. But yeah, I took uh, old guitar tracks of his and brought it back in and cut it up and put it in. And it's a way of saying it's like the vibrations that this person made while they are here um, right. are continue to continue to reiterate, you know, throughout the cosmos. Well, I feel like it's just a way to like keep 
that person alive. So it's like, to me, it's like they're still going and if people are still hearing them and then maybe, you know, even just from like mentioning him, his work right now, it's like maybe someone will check it out and I'd be really happy if they did. So. Um, and, and it's also cool. Just the, the, the concept of environmental sampling, um, right. for, for me, when I got into sampling, I was really influenced by, um, you know, William S. Burroughs and the whole concept of cut-ups, the whole cut-ups theory. And the idea is that if you're taking, you're taking audio clips of, of the real world out here and you're taking it and you're cutting it up and you're putting it out there, you're restructuring reality. You're taking reality, you're restructuring it and you're regurgitating it out back into the universe. So there's something, there's something very magical about that. Agreed. So how do you um, record? What what like when you go to do your studio stuff? Like what kind of software or how are you oh, how are God. you recording? <laughs> um, so I don't know really why this works, but so in my old project, the Whip Angels, like I would record like through an interface and through Logic or whatever, and everyone always complained about the levels of like how I mixed things. Like it was always like the guitars are too high, the vocals are too low, this is not right. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm just figuring it out as I go. Like, I'm not like at the level of like, like mixing and mastering like Michael Jackson records. Like I'm not a pop artist, so like who gives a shit? Like this is just me like experimenting. Like I'm literally recording it in my bedroom. So this is what it is. Um, but for Temple of Saturn, and this seems to work a little bit better for whatever reason, I record out of like this shitty amp that I found like in the garbage. It's just like a little practice amp. And I play that, like I play the guitar like through the room. I use like a loop pedal just so I can record through the loop pedal. And then I just use my phone and I record just the root, the noise in the room from my phone and those are the tracks. And I guess it like maybe adds like some kind of compression or something to it, but everything then kind of comes together and sounds pretty good and no one complains about the levels anymore. So <laughs> maybe I figure something out. <laughs> no, I think you're onto something there. So uh, is it an iPhone? Yeah, it's an iPhone. So what are you recording? Like the memo function on it? What are you yeah, using? Yeah, just, just the voice memo. And like, I have a new iPhone that I got in like a couple months ago, but up until then I was using an iPhone 5. So wow. I was using an older iPhone for like most, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've recorded. I guess I've recorded a lot of stuff since I got the new phone, but I put out two tracks today. Like... You know, it's like I'm try- I'm constantly like releasing stuff. I just like when I'm in the mood to record something, I do it. And then there it goes. Because if I think about it too hard, then I like don't really want to put it out there. I'm just like, I need to put it out before I listen to it and decide I don't want anyone to hear it. So that's why I put out a lot of stuff. Like a lot of people can't keep up. But I'm like, you know what? that's not my problem like you know what like i am just i'm doing this for me and to me it's like it's meditation it's like healing to me it's the way that i you know just deal with my emotions or my thoughts and it 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 does have a ceremonial aspect to it like to me i'm like this is my like way of worship and 
my way to express the things that I'm thinking about or whatever and just trying to get it out there. That's what, you know, the video and all the visual aspects, I think, really, you know, ties it all together. The music on its own might not stand up. I don't, I don't know, but I think it's all of the things. So the video, the collage, you know, like my poetry, I haven't written anything new in a little while, but all these things together, I think is what makes what I do noteworthy, but I don't know that any one piece really stands out on its own. So if I only did video, it might not really be that interesting. Or if I only did collage, it might not be interesting. But because it's like art, video, music, all these things, I even like use myself, my like my body, my as like an another medium, really. Um, and I think it's like the way I tie this everything in is what people are into. Yeah. So. Uh, so for you, when you're creating this, this is really a part of your personal, like kind of initiatory self-work is what what the music production is. That's the ultimate aim that it serves. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think everything is like all of the pieces, like to me, like the collage is like I'm sending a message. Like I'm each piece of the collage is like a hieroglyphic, basically. And there's a message in there that you know the people viewing it it's, i'm like i'm just putting these ideas out on the internet if you can interpret them then like you know then we're on the same page right but if not like because people always like ask me questions like because of like the name sex death rebirth it's always like what is the connection between sex and death and i'm like i literally answer that question every single day because i make a new art piece almost every day, and it's addressing that very question. So if you're paying attention, you know I already answered. Yeah, and I think that that's, that there's some deep like Jungian or Freudian thing with that too, sex and death, I can't remember what it is right now. Um, uh, is it thera, Theratanos? There's some word, there's some word yeah, for that um, out of psychology. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, like Eros, yeah, and Thanatos, yeah. Um, I like to me. I'm like, okay, the connection is life. Like that's what's in between those things, and I'm living it, and I'm showing you the connection, like through the art. And you know, it's like I get a lot of people who are like into the occult, into you know mysticism, and they always really want like answers to the big questions just like handed to them and i was like you know people that like claim to have those sorts of answers are generally people you should stay away from because like i'm not into like the whole cult of personality like don't follow me i am just a normal mundane boring person don't like i'm not gonna like give you the answers to everything but i'm like helping you you know be able to answer, ask those questions for yourself and find the answers within you. That's the whole point of what I'm doing. It's like what I've been able to, I guess through my own work, like figure out for myself, I'm trying to share that with other people. And, you know, from like 
dreams and visions and experiences, like all of those things have helped me develop. And through the art, through the music, video, everything, it's, I'm hoping that the symbols that I'm putting out there are people can interpret and maybe have some of the same ideas that I've had and go on some crazy train of thought and discover something about themselves. That might be helpful. So what do you think is more important, the question or the answer? I think the question, like, because it's like every question just has more questions. And that's the cool part about life. It's like, I don't know, just the constant seeking. I don't know if I'll ever, like, feel satisfied that I've had, like, some kind of quenched thirst for the truth. It's like. I just feel like I'm going in the right direction by asking a lot of questions. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, I grok that. So, I mean, and that's a, that's, that's an ancient esoteric um, thing in there. Also Um, the idea that the question itself is um, I mean, not a simple question, but the deep question, you know, the deep question of like, what is, what is life? What am I? What is the, the meaning of this? What is, what is the relationship of sex and death? These really deep questions. There's something about being in that state of question that actually uh, energizes or empowers or expands your universe in some kind of way. And people like, you know, ordinary in ordinary society, people com- continually miss out on this, miss this opportunity because people view a question as something that has to be answered right away, right? If we don't know right. something, if there's an unknown mystery, well, we either need an answer right away or else we, we need to be able to put it in some uh, category like, well, it's a conspiracy theory or, or something. We don't know what the, what the real answer is. So they want to categorize it and at least contain it in some kind of, some kind of way. But the, the real deeper truth is that there's something um, powerful about it. So um, there's the, uh, there's a, a word runa a norse word that that taps into this idea of mystery there's like the grail mythology of like seeking after the grail but never being able to never being able to find it and that's what makes you know the knights noble because they continue to seek after it so and and i mean this all makes sense with the music after i've like you know checked out your stuff and seen the videos and stuff there's a huge like very mysterious element to it so you're definitely definitely onto something there. Well, something that's I think very interesting is like if you look back at history, like there's been so many times where people think that they have it all figured out and then, you know, some time passes and you realize like wow, they really didn't know what they were talking about at all. Like guess that either things have changed, new discoveries have made, so it's I always feel like it's a really big mistake to think that we know it all right now. Because someone's going to look back at us and be like, wow, they were really dumb. And it's just like, if you remember that, then I think you are actually like going in the right direction. Just like, you know what? I don't know it all. And that's okay. But I'm going to still like try to keep finding out. Like, I always feel like when you think you got it figured out, you don't. Like, something's going to happen and you're going to realize that you don't know anything. (laughs) So. I just accept that, and that's how I live my life. <laughs> yeah. So some people can't do that. Some people, if they don't know what's going on, then they just get they get frozen with it. So something you mentioned about your process 
um, made me think that I I I, I want to say there's a couple of extremes that people struggle with when they're going into the creative process. Like one extreme is you get so obsessed with your work. I see musicians and artists do this all the time. They're so concerned about what's going to happen with it and how it's going to be taken that they end up never putting it out. You know, that's right. a, that, that's the extreme from what you're what you were describing is like, you know, I put it out and then I like understand it. You know, there's all these basement basement artists and basement, you know, uh, musicians that are great and talented, but they have this they can't get over that unknown, that fear of the unknown and just put this stuff out there. And then on the other extreme, you have people that they put their stuff out there, but then they become obsessed with um, the response. Like, am I getting a good response? How do I get a better right. response? How do I get more fans? How do I do something so people will like me more? And then, you know, and, and then some artists, they'll, they'll, they'll get that for a while. And then they become, you know, Michael Jackson or the Beatles or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 but then some people, they never find it, but they continue like chasing after that unicorn. So to kind of, it, 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 in one sense, it sounds to me like you've, you, you found this like special balance, like in between these two extremes and you're kind of riding this current, you know? Yeah, I think you summed it up really well. Like, I mean, I get a lot of people will contact me, especially like going back to the synth thing, like what kind of synths you use. I think it's like kind of people just trying to like, trying to find a way to talk to me. So they're like, oh, we can like nerd out on about synths. And like, I actually don't know anything about synthesizers um, because I use a guitar. But they're like, I have all these synths. And I'm like, oh, well, like, you know, send me your music. I'll check it out oh no, but I haven't actually recorded anything. I'm just waiting till I get more equipment. I'm like, just use what you have. Like, don't wait until, you know, that day might never come. So like, just use what you have. If you have a synthesizer, you can make music. Don't wait till you have 10. Like, just do it. Use the tools you have at hand. Um, and then, you know, put it out there. Like, don't wait forever. Like, I... I mean, I do respect that, you know, some people, like, they really do like to perfect it, and, you know, that's their way, and, like, that's fine. It's not me. I just, whatever. I just put it out. Um, and I also know, like, I'm never going to be, like, a main, like, that's not my goal. Like, I'm not trying to be Katy Perry or whatever. Like, that's not what I'm about. Like, I don't like I know my stuff just does not have that kind of appeal. Um, no, like corporation will ever want to touch me. Like I just know that what I'm doing is only going to appeal to like a few people, and you know, especially like through Twitter and you know, Twitter mostly I feel like is sort of the best one for connecting with people that kind of like the right people, I guess. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Are you on Facebook also? I am not on Facebook. I have a Facebook account that like, I don't use it at all. Like, but sometimes people, like if I made a video for someone, they want to be able to tag me. So like I have this Facebook account and like, if you go to it, like Joan Pope, whatever, it's, the first like post you're gonna see is like I don't use this, so if you message me here, I'm not gonna see it like for a while. Right. I have one friend that like I it's like the only way to get in touch with him. So 
every once in a while, I just see how he's doing and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> a total respect, total respect. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm completely off of Facebook. I mean, I had, I had, I had my profile and I had a couple of projects I was working on there. Like I had the, the podcast, you know, page on there and I had my band page on there and, and I just deleted all of the shit like about a year ago. And, Good. and, and, and I agree with you. I think Twitter is a better way to reach people because the thing with Facebook, I don't feel like you reach new people on Facebook. What happens on Facebook is you get clomped in with all of these old scenes from your past and then people you knew in school and then your family. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, you know, you can't promote your shit because they'll come on and say, Oh, what's this? You know, and they'll say something stupid and, and you just can't get anything done with it. And, and that, and the fact that it's just, it's just basically spy software and you yeah. know Mike, Mark Zuckerberg and all these people who worked at it they're really honest they're they're very honest about you know about this uh, it, it's not any big secret i mean it's here to like monitor everyone and also that's what people use it for people end up using it to monitor their friends and and you know check up on each other and and stuff like that so i just like got yeah, off it it's scary and I like I feel happier since I got rid of it and you know it's like I don't need to know what you know someone I worked with 15 years ago is doing now like right. not that like you know if I saw them like on the street somewhere like I would be happy to see them like it's not that I don't like them but I just don't need to know what they're doing all the time because like I just don't need that kind of mental pollution. Yeah. I just, you know, it's like if you're within my world right now, then that's what I care about. I don't need like a thousand people. I know just all the details of their life. It just drives me insane. And I think that's why everyone feels like a little bit crazy these days. It's just too much. And it is like this weird like collision of, yeah, like someone I went to fifth grade with my like third cousin that lives across the country and then like my weird occult friends from the internet like, yeah. all coming together and it's just like it's just a little too weird and because i you know i do feel like i have different like facets of my being and personality and some people it's like we're friends because you know we were neighbors and like our friendship is about as deep as like we got a beer together like a couple times but yeah. then some people it's just like no we've really been through some shit and some people it's like you're related to me or it's just i don't need all those people kind of finding each other like no. that's like just and it, weird it, and that's normal too so like in ancient times right if you decided to join a if you're going to pursue initiation in some initiatory school then you go and you work with this initiatory school and it's separate from your family and it's separate from all these other things and why is that well because they don't care about it and they're not going to understand it because they don't right. have that question right it's that question that drew you to it so this is just one example um, and that's normal. That's normal and natural to disconnect from certain things so you can connect with other, uh, other influences. But the people that are creating Facebook, they don't want people to do that. They want everyone to know everything about each other. And, um, you know, that, I, what, what year was this? I, I want to say it's like 2010 or so. Facebook realized that, um, Maybe it's a little earlier than that. Anyhow, they, they realized that people were using Twitter to get news, and they were right. like, "Oh, well, we gotta get we gotta get news going on Facebook." So they started pumping news shit into Facebook, 
And of course, this is it's a group of like elites in in Silicon Valley deciding what kind of news is going to be the good news that they put in here. But all these people on Facebook are like, oh, wow, there's news now, you know, and 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 and, and they don't realize that it's a completely manufactured environment. It's not the same thing like people have made the analogy that oh well this is just like email now and this is how people are going to communicate in the future well no it's not because when they invented email they didn't have a oh we're gonna like you know propagandize people and uh create a false image of ourselves and 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 spy on people but that's specifically what they're trying to do with facebook so i just think it's a shitty thing and i i, I don't think it like really helps anyone with their you know musical careers or artistic careers either it it doesn't because it's like like I would use the page for my music project or whatever and it's like whenever I was like promoting a show or whatever it's like hmm that's weird because that post just seemed to not get any attention oh wait I yeah. see what's happening you want me to pay to get it on people's feeds like yeah. fuck you like yeah. these are my fans and like you know, like, I just want my fans to be able to see what I'm doing without having to pay you because that's how it used to be. And if it's not, like, going to be useful for that, like, promoting, like, a release or a show, whatever, I'm not going to use it anymore. So it just, I didn't bother. I noticed that, like, it seemed like I'd post maybe about the show a couple days before, but it wouldn't start showing up on people's feeds until after. And it's like, okay, you know what? Goodbye. Delete and... So I'm just off that. I What I like about Twitter is that it's really almost no one that I know in real life. Mm-hmm. Like most of the people, I mean, some people I've since met them um, because of Twitter, like we met. But most, like I don't have, you know, the like old guy talk to at Starbucks like he's not following me on Twitter but he was friends with me on Facebook like I don't have those like weird random acquaintances that you know whatever the Facebook thing like really fosters that yeah Twitter it's more about because all right Facebook I feel like a lot of the people you initially added maybe were like people like within your like geographical proximity. So like people you work with, people you went to school with, whatever. Twitter, it's really about your interests. Mm-hmm. So I'm finding people, just other artists, other musicians that I'm interested in. Those are the people that I'm talking to, whatever. And then I follow just like a shit ton of people just to like, because I'm curious about people, other people's ideas and ways of life and whatever. But like the people I'm really interacting with are the people that I really have stuff in common with. And that's been really helpful as an artist and a musician, like, cause I'm just finding other people that the bond is based on a common interest and that's a better bond yeah. to me than, you know, whatever Sally from eighth grade, like, <laughs> I don't care about that yeah. person. <laughs> Absolutely. And and what you're doing, I mean, um, you know, you're working on this, you know, this creative project that you're trying to put out there. You have this sense of forging into the forging into the unknown, you know, forging and discovering new worlds and, and, and stuff like that. And and you can find that uh, through something like Twitter um, more so than you can with Facebook. You just don't find anything, anything new on it. 
Well, I also wouldn't, I want to say though, like I wouldn't be able to even be doing what I'm doing at all if it wasn't for social media. So it's this weird, like double-edged sword. Like sometimes I really hate it because of censorship and whatever, spying and weird things like that. But I just wouldn't be doing this at all if Mm -hmm. this just wasn't even invented. Like if I was coming at, I was at this age 30 years ago, it just my life would be very, very different. Like no one would know who I am at all. Um, so I do sort of, I need it like, and it's very useful. It's good in some ways. Um, because I just wouldn't, I wouldn't have an audience. There'd be no way to build an audience on my own. Um, so it is good in that regard, but yeah, like things like censorship, it's like a lot of my art is very sensual and there's nudity in it. And it's like, that's not happening on Facebook. That doesn't ha- that's not allowed on Instagram. Twitter's the only one that's like, you can get away with it. Right. So for now, yeah, for now I can see it probably like, you know, going the way of Facebook and whatever. I mean, Tumblr, like, I can't believe that happened because that was really, like, where I feel like I started out. Like, I had a blog called Sex at Rebirth, and what I was really doing is after I graduated from college, I studied philosophy and religious studies, and I was really interested in religious art. That was, I think, what I would have continued, like, if I had continued my education for, like, higher degrees, I would have probably studied religious art. Um, so I started this blog, Sex with Rebirth, on Tumblr, and I was finding images, like, just creating this, like, massive online gallery of, it's similar to what my Twitter feed is now, um, things that sort of art from, I try to pick from all different times and all different cultures, but that expresses like the sacred in sexuality and human life, you know, stuff that like represents human mortality, the temporary nature of our being. These like, you know, there were some loose themes and I had maybe like 14,000 images on there by the time it got closed. Um, But like, they were like banning like things that got flagged on their new system was paintings of Jesus. Like that's like how ridiculous it was. It was I, like I, I, I haven't on, even heard Jesus about on this. The cross. <laughs> like, that, that's amazing. Just, when did the, when did this happen with Tumblr? When did this all go down? It was maybe like November, December of last year. So okay. December 2018, I think they were, it was like about banning porn. So like, okay, you know, I get it. Um, But then, like, just even, like, artistic nudity got cut, too. They were trying to say, like, oh, no, it's it's not. Like, you can still have it. But, you know, it was, like, paintings of Jesus by, like, El Greco. Like, really? Like, I've seen this at the Met. And I don't think this is porn, (laughs) like, at all. So, you know, I don't think their filter system is really too good. Like... Paintings of, of Adam and Eve wearing fig leaves got flagged. I was like, no. the fig leaves are there. Like, this is ridiculous. This is just comical. I don't care if, like, they fix this flagging system. I'm not using the platform anymore. Just, like, screw you. Wow. Like, and so whatever. So that's dead. Um, but that was, like, sort of where I found, like, 
people on the internet. Like that's where I started connecting with a lot of people initially. Um, cause I think I started that blog in like 2010, um, somewhere like around then. Um, and that was like where I found a lot of like my initial like internet friends in sort of like occult circle, mystical circle. And then I started Twitter and I feel like Twitter's just like taken over as my main social media these days. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, Twitter had hashtagging too is the thing. They had hashtagging right. like way back when and it's like Facebook, uh, they tried to bring in hashtagging, but it doesn't work. It, do, it does. It's, it's just, it's not the same and no one really right. uses it. No one really utilizes it there, but it's like, you know, I, I, I can go on a hashtag I can fall down a rabbit hole. Oh, I find, yeah. I find think of a cool hashtag, and then all of a sudden I find all this shit, and I'll find new people that way. You know, you find new people, and like you said, um, you know, I've I've connected with more other artists who are actually doing stuff. I've connected with artists that I've I've been able to like learn things from that I've been able to actually have like meaningful you know collaborations with on it. It's just been a great resource, and I hope it I hope it. You know, for for however long it's going to last. I don't know how long it's going to last. Any of these things are the censorship thing. So I, I, I uh, okay. So I graduated high school in in 1986. So that's that's kind of the headspace I'm coming from. And 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 to me, where my my learning and my education and everything is that cens censorship is just the absolute worst, most evil thing possible. Like I remember the big thing when I was young was. Uh, the PMRC and Tipper Gore, and they were going to put warning labels on on Ice T records and and you know <laughs> Jello Biafra and all these people and Frank right. Zappa like you know uh, made a big stink about it and and it's uh, you know censorship is just the worst things and I saw films of you know Nazis like burning books and stuff like that and and I just took a real strong imprint with it and it just blows my mind the world that we live in right now that censorship is just so. It's just so normal, and a lot of people don't care. I mean, you and I are 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 upset by it, but there's like a lot of people that think, "Oh no, it's good that they censor all that stuff, and they think it's a good idea, and they're just don't even question it." And it just it blows my mind. It's scary because I feel like I I've seen the change just in the last few years, like how it's like each year that goes by what I'm doing becomes more and more controversial, even though it's the same thing. I'm doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't, I'm not getting more controversial. I'm the same as I always was, but like people are looking at it and or it's being banned. I'm, I know that I'm like kind of shadow banned on Twitter. Um, I think if you search for me, like I won't come up as like a person or whatever, like you'll see replies to me. So like if you search for at sex of rebirth, You'll see people's replies to me, but you won't see like my tweets come up. I don't know if it's still like that, but I know for a while it was. And it was just like, wow, why? Like, I don't think I post stuff that's controversial. I post art. Yeah. No, I can, I can relate to that 100%. It's like <laughs> I, I, I became far more radical than I ever really was. Right. Um, and and it's, it's, it's not that I changed what I was doing or what I was putting out there. But the world around me changed and, and the world around me became, I don't know, more timid and more judgmental and more frightened. Um, yeah, it's very weird. Like, and I, I don't really know. It's like, 
I feel like I almost like woke up one day and the world was different and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing until I'm not allowed to do it anymore. Yeah. Or like, and even when I'm not allowed to do it anymore, I'm probably still going to do it. So good luck trying to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You go, you go girl. So tell me about, um, on your, on your website, um, you have rise of the philosopher queen and you talk about um, sex, death, rebirth, uh, rebirth as 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 a Gnostic cult. So can you tell tell me about that? So what is that? Is this do you do you actually practice a a uh, a, a religious kind of system with this that other people are involved with? Well, I see it as something I'm still forming and. It may take me a lifetime to form, but the idea is that it is like a very loose system of religious ideas and sort of rooted in this idea of like comparative myth and religion and like plucking different ideas from different traditions. Um, sort of, I see it as like a way of like going into like the Aquarian age and like social media in a way like plays a part in that where I'm like, I have the resources now to be able to, you know, study history and religion and mythology and bring all these different symbols together, put them out. Like to me, that's the teaching. It's like, I'm spreading the word of this system through the art, through the music. And if you're taking it in, that's sort of your initiation. And you can like go further down the rabbit hole if you want, or not, you can just observe, and um, that's cool. I wouldn't really say that I have followers or I'm trying to have followers that are like, I'm an initiate of sex, death, rebirth. I don't know if it's really like, that's what I'm looking for. I'm kind of trying to show people, make your own religion. Like you can make your own system and it should be like personal to you. So that's why I would call it Gnostic where it's personal to you and your own self analysis, self discovery. Like I don't have the answers for you, but I have the answers for myself. So within me and through my own experiences and through even studying other people's philosophy, through learning about other people's religions, analyzing those different ideas in through the lens of like my own experiences that you know that to me like is where I've gotten like real knowledge like that's when you take those things I don't really like when people like oh what's your favorite philosopher and then if you give them an answer they are thinking like oh, well, you must like subscribe to that person's work and that's your worldview. And I'm like, that's weird. It's weird to take one or two people's work and then just like, that's your worldview now. I'm like, you got to make your own worldview because you, you know, you're you, you're not that person. <laughs> so that's what I think sex, death, rebirth is really about. It's I'm forming just like a very loose system where I'm taking like different pieces and putting them together. But I don't know that it's really together yet. And I don't know that it will be for, you know, maybe till the end of my life. It may never really come together. It's a process. 
So yeah. you're not. You're um, not that's, so you're, I mean, but that's the point. Like the process is the point. So I don't want to just, you know, write some text and then be like, okay, I'm done with this now. Then what? You know, it's like, it's not that easy. It's my whole life. Like when I look back even to my, where I was two years ago, three years, whatever, I feel so different. Like just every year as I experience more things, my worldview really changes because, you know, there's been things that just have affected me very deeply and I just feel different. So it's like, I expect that a year from now, five years from now, 30 years from now, I'm going to look back on this time and be like, wow, I didn't know anything. Um, so you said that you're, uh, you have a degree in, in comparative religion. Yeah. So what, what, what ancient religions, um, have, have influenced you that you found particularly, um, I think I really, I connect, I think very much with like ancient Greek religions. Um, I'm sorry about that. Um, so I used that a lot in my art. Um, so like I did like a whole series on the Greek goddesses. And, you know, it's like I use like, to me, it's like I felt like I was like channeling them. So like I use my body to channel the different goddesses. And I just use very simple props to do it, like just enough to like give the idea of what it is. like. If you go on my Twitter, like not too far down, you'll see like the birth of Venus. So I did Aphrodite and it's like, I mean, I'm not wearing anything because that's what Aphrodite like came from the sea, like nude. I'm just wearing like nude colored shoes with like a silver heel. And then I have on this very wall projected the sea. So, and I think I had like a shell actually, like this big glass shell that someone gave me as a gift. And it's like, that's my prop. Um, I use like the music and my, I have just like an editing style. Um, and I'm like, to me, I'm like, as I'm like filming that, I'm like, I am becoming Aphrodite and I'm trying to connect the viewer with what Aphrodite represents, like sensuality, love, like beauty, like feminine beauty, whatever. Um, and that, like those, that whole series to me was a way like a way to worship them. Wow. So I, the, the Greek thing, I can totally see, I can totally see that. I can you know, completely make sense. What about, um, what about the Greek philosophers? Um, I think I work a lot of them into my thing as well. Like sometimes I feel like I, I think sometimes people sort of accuse me of being like a hedonist, but I'm, I, to me, it's more of like an Epicurean like way of doing, uh -huh. of hedonism, um, where like to me, like pleasure just doesn't mean like endless uh, or like happiness isn't just like endless empty pleasures. Like I think it's like sort of, a, that's a dangerous like path to go down. Um, like, yeah, I would like to, like, avoid the suffering in life, but it's I do think it's really necessary. And 
those times of suffering in my life have probably been the most interesting and like fundamental really like but it's like yeah I'm always trying to like make the best of those things so even um, the way I, I approach my life I guess it's when I'm like going through really hard times I am just like so over like being depressed and sad like I wasted way too much of my life in that space that I've learned to to deal with it in a way where it's like I'm just going to channel that energy like I need to transform like all those painful feelings of grief of loss of all of those things I need to transform them or else like I just can't function like I need to transform them. So that's even like why um, I produce as much as I do. Like people are always just like, I can't keep up. And I'm like, because from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to sleep, I am working on my work. So it's like, I do like some commercial, like video editing stuff. And like while stuff is rendered, while like video is rendering, I'm working on a collage. Like I am making use of like all of my time. And when I'm, you know, waiting to like hear back from somebody that I'm working for, I'm working on my own video. I'm recording my own music. So I'm constantly like putting all those sort of dark emotions, those negative emotions and trying to transform them into something beautiful because I just like, I had enough of like crying and being sad and whatever. Like I just can't do it anymore. Like, and you know looking back on my life like I feel like I wasted my teens my 20s like I feel like I wasted all that time being depressed being you know unsure of myself and like once I hit 30 I was just like you know what I gotta just transform all that shit and turn it into something beautiful and I can't question it like I have to just put it out there and that's why there's just so much like every yeah. day like putting it out there because I'm like this is the only way I can function like you know part of part of that a, a lot of people go through that I mean I can totally relate to what you're saying uh, when I look back at my my teens and my my 20s I just wasted a lot of time um, just feeling sorry for myself and 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 not really doing anything and and part of that I think everyone goes through that Part of that's the society that we live in right now. People like go through this public school system where they're basically prevented from from growing up until they're like in their 30s or something. And then all of a sudden they have to, to go out and do all this stuff. And back in ancient times, I mean, when you're like, you know, from a very young age, you start to learn like practical work and, and, and creative work and the sense of like, you know, doing things that are value, valuable and stuff like that. So I think that's a struggle that that we all go through. And the other thing is that, I mean, that's one of the keys, what you're talking about of, of transforming that negative energy, transforming your, your anger or your sadness. That's one of the keys of um, Anton LaVey's system of, of magic is to take, you know, these horrible feelings that you have or whatever, you know, sad, great sadness or great anger and transform it. You know, it's a, it's a secret of magic to transform that into something, um, something creative something productive something desirable and to me it's like this is a very simple idea like to me this is not 
difficult and it's not a secret like to to do this is to take like your negative emotions and feelings and transform them into something that's beautiful or you know good for your soul but it's like I'm like, why don't more people do this? Like, why are more people doing this? And they just kind of wallow in it. And like, I, I get it. Like, I was stuck in that. Like, I, I get it. But that's why I think it's important to like have this conversation and to just to do it because it's like, no matter what, like you can just do it. Like, so if someone's listening to this and they're stuck in, you know, that space, it's like, trust me, you can do it. Just start. Don't worry about the result. Like, just do it. Um, because, like, when I look at my work, like, I mean, I look at it and I'm like, maybe about 20% of it is actually really good. And I feel really good about 20% of it. 80% is just, like, practice. And I put it out there anyways because I'm just like, well, I'm going to share my process. Like, this is me, like, becoming an artist like I wasn't really doing this before like I was working in libraries I did like a social work job like I just was doing something completely different and I had moved to a new place when I was like 30 31 and I could not find a job in my field so like I learned video editing and to learn video editing I had to just start doing it every day, like for myself. So it's like, okay, I had music and I was already doing collage. So it was like, I'm just gonna make music videos like every single day. So every single day I made stuff and I'm like, that's how I learned video editing. Like people hit me up all the time. They're like, what apps do you use to make your videos? And I'm like, it's not an app. It's called Adobe Premiere. Like, it's not like, I don't just like, like, I don't know how you think I make this, but it, it took, hours and hours and hours to learn enough skills to get to this level so if you think you're going to just download an app and produce this mm -hmm. by all means good luck <laughs> but you know it's like i had to teach myself like a new skill and this is like and it was something that i had to teach myself a new skill because i needed you know a new career like i needed something that you know could be valuable um so i can make some money doing it but it also was something that was good for my soul and that like it's hard to find that um you know when i was like work i was working as a caregiver i was working as a social worker it's like those jobs are like they're good for your soul but they're hard on your soul um where it's like, you know, it's rewarding because you're helping people, but at the same time, you're just depleting yourself. And it's some heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. So I just knew at a certain point that as much as I want to be able to do that, I just can't do it forever for long periods of time. I'm a very sensitive person. So to me, it's like, I feel like when someone's like telling me like, you know, about their plight, like their, you know, their problems, I'm like, this now has become my problem because I feel it as if it's happening to me. And 
that's been very useful in that field because they feel that they feel that I feel it and that's helpful to the person that I'm dealing with. But then it's like, I have no one to do that with. Like, I don't have the persons who unload to you. Like I, you know, it's like, I don't want to do that to my husband. Like I don't want to like, like I don't want that to like get in the way of our relationship. So I guess things have like sort of taken a turn and now it's like, I'm trying to transform my own, all that baggage from before take that and kind of put it through like the washing machine of art and oh yeah it comes out <laughs> no that's the noble that's the noble thing to do to not you know um have you ever uh encountered the writings of uh ospensky or gurdjieff um not really like i i know who you're talking about but i'm not like very well versed in their works. Well, one, of the, one of the things that uh, I, I think that Ospinsky did that's that's really uh, in, interesting, very significant, is he talked a lot about negative emotions. He did a lot of like uh, discussion and work with this whole concept of negative emotions. He talks about how negative emotions are like an energy, and like for real emotions, like we actually have like an emotional center, and it's like in our you know it's a part of our biology. It's part of our mammalian brain that we have emotions but there's this thing called negative emotions which are they don't actually have a center within us and they're kind of mechanical and they pass around to people people pass them on to each other you know have you ever i mean this happens in workspaces all the time you know one person gets mad and they say something shitty and you could just watch it spread amongst people and and everyone's aware of this everyone's aware of this once you get hip to it and his prescription for it is the whole secret is to just not express them. That's the thing that you do. That's the only way you change the course of history and change the course of your life and your relationship is you just don't express negative emotions and then you don't give them a place inside you and you don't pass them on to other people. So right. I have a really shitty day. Um, I get home with my wife and I'm like, I get that urge to like, you know, complain about like the shitty thing that happened to me and then i'm like you know if if i catch myself in time you know what i'm not gonna say fuck it because fuck it who cares it's not gonna make her life right. better knowing that some, <laughs> someone was an asshole to me let's uh talk about you know something fun you know let's talk right. about something good so yeah like there's something that i i came across i don't know if it's something i like i read or something someone told me but i've been doing this for a while where it's like if something like bad happens, I'm like, I need to do just the opposite of what like my impulse is. So if like the impulse is to like wallow in it, I need to do the opposite of that and just like turn it on its head. Um, that's like, I feel like I've really grown like since I've started doing that where it's like, you know, back in the day, if someone did this to me, it's like, I would, my, my impulse is to be like really pissed off right. and I want to confront and I want to confront them and like, you know, whatever. And it's like, now I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I will say something, but just to like, let them know that I know, but you know, I'm going to make it like not come from a place of anger. Like I'm going to actually just try to talk about it in like a way that we can like change. So it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Um, or something is like made me like really sad. And it's like something that I'd be like really devastated about for months and months and months. It's like, I'm going to like, instead of 
you know, just dwelling on it, use all that time that I would be time and energy that I'd be dwelling into like doing something else. Um, so it's like, I, I just feel better as a person. Like I, I used to be more angry and I would like, you know, I'm always like, just like a very quiet person. Like, but you know, if people crossed me, like I had no problem, like telling them and being angry with them. It was just like all this bottled up, like aggression. And I was like, you know what? I gotta like be different about how I use that energy. Um, so it's like now I just try to be like, you know what? Like let's, you know, address it in a way where I'm not yelling at you. And because if I yell at you, you're just gonna like hate me more. Like you're just gonna do it again, yeah. or whatever. But if if we just like talk about it in a way where it's like, hey, you know what? There was a problem. Let's just get to the bottom of it so we can like forget about it and move on I feel like you're more likely to get results with the other person you're dealing with because people like they don't like to be yelled at sometimes they do you don't want them to do out of spite or like whatever like if you're like you see this all the time with like Twitter like fights that people have when they have like disagreements and it's just like sometimes you just gotta like let it go it's just not worth it like you're not gonna change the person's opinion or whatever like by yelling at them like if you're just like yeah like you have your way i have mine you're welcome to like talk to me about it if you want and i like to just like lead by example i guess it's like i think you know if i think that my philosophy or my idea is the better one then like I'll show you by like the test of time. Like you'll be back in a few years to be like, yeah, you were right. But I don't yeah. need to like have instant gratification. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, all right. So you want to uh, check out a song? Yeah. So what are we, we're going to listen to, uh, and we're going to see the video for destroy the outer darkness. Yep. You want to tell us about this? Um, so the video actually was inspired by an art piece that I, I can't remember the artist right now, but I would say like an early 1900s, maybe like German or Austrian artist. And it was like a woman with or, or a boros like spinning around her. I like from that where I took like a different woman and I animated the um, the snake going around her so it's like I had made something inspired by another artwork and I do that a lot like I'll like see like you know an art piece I'm like oh like here's this cool piece where it's like you know depicting the Prometheus myth or something and then I'm like okay I'm gonna make a Prometheus collage or whatever so that's um, where the imagery had come from. And then with the with the song, like, to me, that's, like, it is, like, really, like, what we were just talking about of, like, destroying the negative emotions and transforming them. Like, that really is, like, the I think the emotional, like, road that I was on when I was recording that. So it's a good segue. Yeah totally speaking my language so i want everyone to go check out 
Joan Pope and the Temple of Saturn on Bandcamp and Vimeo and Twitter. What's the best place to find you at? Um, I mean, my website, joanpope.com, is where you can like find all the little pieces. Um, but I'm really active on Twitter. I'm at Sex of Rebirth and at Temple of Saturn and of is O-V. Um, it's for people if you can't find it. Um, so I'm very active there. I'm on Instagram, but it's it's like the back burner social media to me. It's owned by Facebook. I really don't really want really want to use it anymore. But yeah, it's kind of there. Yeah, it's kind of back it, alley. It, it's not really that <laughs> useful. I don't really try to like even like expand my audience there. Like it just it is what it is. I have it there. But Twitter's good. Bandcamp. So I, I I saw that you spell O V. You use the O V. Where is that from? Uh, Psychic TV, Temple of Psychic. No, it's years? actually it's not. It's just I wanted the name Temple of Saturn when I went to like take the Bandcamp name. There was already a band called Temple of Saturn, like O F, mm. and I was like. They hadn't released anything in like a really long time, so they didn't really seem like an active band. And I was like, "All right, I still want this name. I'm just gonna change the spelling." So, cool. I just changed the the name. I get like the whole like psychic TV thing a lot, and I'm like, I actually don't like that at all. Like, I don't like psychic TV. I don't. That's not the influence and. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. No, I, I I don't think there's any influence whatsoever in your in, in, in the music and everything. I don't I, I don't see it as in the same caliber um uh at all. I don't know. There was a time way back when I checked out Psychic T V and was into that, but I don't know where I don't know what they're doing now. I don't know what it's all about. It doesn't make sense to me. Um but you're definitely tapped into some kind of vibe here. You're 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 tapped into something. Um, so I hope you keep doing it. Um, keep putting it out there and um, I want everyone to go check this stuff out because it will help you to keep <laughs> the dark fires burning <laughs> thank you so much thank you